0: Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel.
1: This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchen from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club, you're listening
0: to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. Welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant. We are nearly here, into the top five, not too far now, but before we get to my five most relevant players of 2022 we got to talk about the number six guy and to be fair a guy that a few iterations early on of the 50 most relevant i actually had this guy in at number one in a few early iterations he actually was there but just as the season pre-season went on as i put everything together i realized you know what maybe not the most relevant player. Who knows? Maybe he's not even the most relevant forward. We'll have to wait and see over the next couple of days. Joining me to talk about one of the new forward additions into the game is one of the more recently new coaches panel members. I talk, well, it's really been over 12 months now. I've got Jordox, mate. Hello. How are you?
1: I'm good, MJ. Good to be on for uh, number six. Oh, we're nearly there, aren't
0: we? We are nearly there. I don't know who's more excited, the fantasy community, me or my wife that we're nearly end at the 50 most relevant. <laughs> I'm, I'm really it's not. A, it,
1: it's been a fair slog, mate. You've done it incredible. And the, the fantasy world appreciates it. So uh, It's a,
0: it's a labour of love. I'm absolutely more than happy to spend time uh, doing it. 30-year-old, mid, forward. One of the big DPP gains we got when Champion Data made those allocations all the way back in December. Last year, some nice... Seasonal highs, not career highs, but some nice seasonal highs. It was a 146 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team against the Eagles while in that same game for Supercoach. Just a couple of points more. It was a 149. Both of those aren't quite near his career high scores, though, uh, in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team back in 2017 against the Bulldogs. It was a 169. Well, just in 2020, so not that long ago in Super Coach, 156. His average in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team this year is 100.3. And in those two formats, he's going to set you back pretty much, give or take a few thousand, that $850,000 range, while in Supercoach, less than one point away from averaging that 100 market. 99.2 and priced pretty nicely at $540,000. Jordox when it does come to that time in December when champion data release the positions to the formats. We know Dream Team, AFL Fantasy, and Supercoach all have the same starting base of formats because of that. We always eagerly await which new forwards, which new defenders hit the game and surge up our relevancy rankings. And one of the first that caught everybody's eyes was Mitch Duncan, because for the better part of five, six years, he's been Mr. 100 in the midfields. And now we get that option in our forward lines.
1: It's it's a, yet another gift for our forward lines, MJ. I mean with, when Taranto and Cornelio were announced, it you know, part part of me and, and I'm sure many were sort of not expecting but hoping because there was um frustrating times last year's uh, last year for owners where they were playing forward. Mm. Um but when I saw Mitch Duncan's name, I just oh, you know, I must have missed something. I, I don't recall him um playing forward at all last year. But uh I'm not gonna I'm not going to argue with it, like I said, it, it is a gift. This is, yeah, a, this is a dead set midfield option, um, for many many years. Who's just now forward for some reason? I don't know, could can you shed some light on well, there how was they t- worked that out? Uh,
0: to be honest, there was actually talk in AFL fantasy, which has had DPP for the past few years in game editions, super coach and dream teamers. It's new for this year. The community was kind of screaming out heading into the round 18 additions Mitch Duncan defensive Mitch Duncan defense Um, and and so ultimately um, from a champion data perspective so much of where they make their positionals um, allocations is due to where they start um, at center bounces and what we know about Mitch Duncan is he's an elite outside midfielder we see that even statistically last year even from just the two handfuls worth of games on a per game so by averages Last year, he ranked ninth in the AFL for marks per game. You know, There's two ways you get marks. You get them in space or you are elite, strong, contested overhead. He does it through getting into space. That's further enhanced by the fact he was 16th in the league per game for uncontested possessions. And then what he does, which is so valuable to Geelong and why we really should all be eagerly desiring him in our fantasy sides, is when he gets the ball, he's damaging with it. Last year by averages, he was ranked 15th in the league for score involvements. So he gets those marks by getting into space. When he gets the ball, he gets open football and they love to get the ball in his hands. And what we know about Geelong's game style over the past few years, and I believe moving into this year, they're going to have that heavy possession retention game style. Um, They've not... Um, drastically overhauled the list in the past uh, few months. So they're still all in on this list. So therefore, they're not able to recreate the wheel so drastically with the players and the cattle they have. Meaning this high possession game style is going to stay for us, which is good news because what we did see from him last year and for the better part of the past few years is some really strong scores when he was on the park. That's a big if, and we'll talk about that soon. But last year in his 10 games, he had six AFL Fantasy and Dream Team tons up to that average of 100.3. Of those tons, four were 120 plus. In fact, they were all 130 plus. And he just had a couple of games under 80. If you remove a early injury, and I mean opening minutes of the game early, not midway through the second quarter early, um, where he went off with a PCL injury, and we'll talk about that. If we were to take away the average minus that injury game in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team to give a more true reflection of what he did, 110.5. In Supercoach, comparable numbers, an average of 99.2 for all his 10 games, five tons, four over 120, two over 130, A couple under that 80 marker. And again, we take that early injury-affected game out of the numbers. A truer picture of what he delivered was a 109. And then let's just look at what he's done since 2014. Because let's further prove that he's just one of the most reliable performers going around. Here's his averages in Dream Team and Fantasy. 94.9, 79.8, 94.5, 112.5, 101.8, 105.6, 94.9, 79.8, 94.5, 112.5, 101.8, 105.6, and an adjusted 105.8, and that 100.3 that we know is closer to a 110 removing injury in Supercoach since 2014. 191, 91, 109.8, 106, 103, 103, 99.2, which we know is closer to that 110 marker. We could probably stop the podcast there, couldn't we, Jordox, and go, he's the safest hundred forward in the class? Lock and load. Yes.
1: I said at the top it's a gift. And, um, yeah, those numbers just show. I guess the question you've got to ask, um, and, you know, part of our job on these is to tease through the detail and try and find pros and cons. Um, (laughs) There's no lot of cons. I guess uh, age... You know, yes. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's fair. How old 30 years been. old. Yep. So 30, yep. Um, which is, you know, still a young man, but in footy terms. Um, but also, you know, the injuries that he had last year. Um, yeah.
0: Calf traffic, at the we'll start of the year. Now. Yeah. So struggled yep. through the preseason last year with a with a calf, which was the causation for him to actually miss the first few games of the year as well. When he was there, we went through those numbers of what he delivered no issues at all, PCL injury goes down in that win against the Bulldogs early. Um, And that's the big smell on Mitch Duncan because let's be honest, Jawdogs, no one's looking at Duncan and going, the guy won't score well this year. Of of all the forwards we have um, across the formats, especially at this upper echelon, he's the one that from a scoring perspective across the formats, you go... Show me a world he's not in that hundred marker range. Uh, i, oh, I, I even like,
1: yeah, going on those numbers, like I said, like, if he was just a midfielder only, he'd have to be talked about because when you when you do remove that injured game and he drops a one ten average
0: in, across the formats, um, PT,
1: yeah, fantasy, yeah, well, across, yeah, uh, which reminds me of Cornelio a couple of years ago. Remember that? Um, he, yeah, he went out on a zero and he's. So, I've gone one further just because I love taking injured games out. No, oh, here we go. Um, <laughs> but this was, uh, I remember this so well, this was the Gold Coast game and he was carving it up. So, just before half time, um, he'd kicked two goals, had 15 touches, and in Dream Team Fantasy was on 62 and he got concussed. That's right. Um, so, if we take that 62 out, I mean, that takes his average from eight full games. To one sixteen. I mean, we're, we're yeah, talking wow. about a guy that would be in the conversation for a spot in our midfield. Now he's in the forward line. Um, it's astonishing. I mean, that first game of the year, like you said, he missed the first two rounds. His first game of the year after an interrupted preseason, mm-hmm. um, missing a couple of weeks, and he's dropped a, a one thirty in, in Dream Team Fantasy on the back of thirty-seven touches and ten marks.
0: Yeah, one seventeen in gosh. Ex- yeah.
1: It's incredible. So I'm not, I wouldn't even be saying he has to get through preseason. He has to be schmick. He has to be ready. Yeah. Even if he's at 80%, 90%, I like think he's a guy <laughs> that just scores through the roof and is a forward.
0: Yeah, it, it's so good. And we look at all these upside and then there's one big gigantic red flag that is there. And you, we've already kind of highlighted it by saying, if you quote, remove the injury effect, the games, it is around that. That the smell around Duncan is his physical abilities with his body is starting to fail him is what the constant narrative is. We talked just last year alone, calf issue, concussion, PCL, playing just 10 games. That's a lot of footy missed. And as you get to 30, albeit the concussion is more an unfortunate injury than anything else. Things just start to add up for people to go, oh, I'm a little bit concerned because that does reflect back last year in 2020. He had an early injury in round six against the Lions, a groin issue. Um, he only missed the one match following on from that. But that's the story that people think is they remember these games where you do own Mitch Duncan because as a midfielder, he had been a point of difference. And so it becomes more noticeable when an in game injury early hits, the narrative of his injury prone gets further exaggerated. So he goes down with that PCL, he goes down with that groin, he goes down with that concussion. Three games in the past 30 odd games of football, and the story of his injury prone, his injury prone, his injury, injury prone starts to fly. However, As valid as that is, between 2016 and 2020, he only missed four games of footy. So between 2016 and 2020, just four games of footy and never missed more than two games in a single year. So yet recency bias tells us that's not a great 12 months of football from Mitch Duncan. But all we can do right now is presume health because he is healthy is presume what he is right now, which is problem-free through the preseason. Everything coming out of the club is nothing to see here, all good. So this is the point of the podcast. When we talk about an injury-prone player, you get the MJ spiel, which is this. If the only reason you're not picking this guy, and I think this is the only reason you can't pick him, is the injury risk. You just go, "I, I don't want to have to use a trade in season, so I'll go for someone with better durability. Fine. Absolutely no problem with that line of argument. But here's the thing. By round six, if he's going 110 and the reason you said no was because of injury, can you trade him in? Yes, you can. But the risk of injury based on the variance of games played only further increases with every game he plays. Therefore, that's why we say here at the coaches panel, if you're saying no because of the injury at the start of the year, you probably are saying no for the whole year. Now, can you go and pick him? Yep. No problem. Just don't get surprised if in round eight, something goes wrong and it gets you. That's why for me with guys with bad injuries, I go, you can, you can have any rule you like and you can break it. It's your rules. But mm. it's one trade to trade him out as opposed to one trade to trade him in and another trade to have to trade him out. That's why we say here at the coaches' panel, certainly I do, and others are obviously entitled to their opinion, if that's the only reason you won't pick him, just bank the games because he'll score well. That's not the the issue. It's And if the injury comes, awesome. Move on somewhere else. Use him to fix another line, to fix a mid-pricer that's failed, or to jump on someone that's popped. Injuries are going to come. Suspensions are going to come, and they'll just create opportunities. Think about this. A little over 12 months ago, Patrick Dangerfield goes down with a suspension after round one. Misses three weeks. Some hold. History then tells us that was wrong because he went and got injured beyond that. But it gave people options. They went and got a Dane Zorko. They went and got a Josh Dunkley. They went and did a money-making move in a Taylor Walker. All three of those, you would say are valuable trades to have made and really accelerated your team. Well done for doing that. So injuries aren't the end of the world. You just got to know you're banking on something more than likely coming.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And and I've I've heard you say that so many times. It's it's very true. Um, It's good. Good advice. I think, Ordinarily, I'd, I'd agree with that idea of you the start or your pass, but when it's a guy that is like quite likely to end up being the number one scorer in his line, um, I think if you want to get him later, then that is still an option. But on the injury, on the yeah. injury side, I mean, coming into the podcast, you know, having a quick squeezer, you know, it, it's so interesting how how just one year of you know, multiple injuries to a fantasy relevant guy. Mm. can you know kind of slew your, your perception of him because I was thinking alright what are we going to talk about it's a no brainer to pick him except for the injury history but yeah. in reality like you said he'd only missed the four in fact if you go back um, 2015 was the last year other than 2021 sorry mm. before last year 2015 yeah. was the last time he didn't play over 20 games in a season so and the other thing on last year too is yes it was stop start stop start hmm. and from a fantasy perspective that PCL ruled out his fantasy season he did yeah. come back and play in the Geelong in Geelong's finals series the three yeah. finals and was and was one of their better players from memory so um,
0: yeah he scored a 135 84 85 in AFL fantasy and dream team 122 80 and 92 and remember in that Melbourne game they got blown away not ninety
1: is a good score, a yeah. good Coach in that losing side, so yeah. So he's come back from the PCL, um, and yeah, I, th- I think on the point as well on him. I'm um, not getting him later because it increases the chance. I-, I had a similar thing with Aaron Hall last year, you know, and yeah. I think many would have just just waited, wait, and the longer you wait because you're scared he's going to get injured, the more likely when you finally get him he does get injured. Yeah, and I think I. I think in the end I got him in the very last round of the season, so I actually made sure—not by design, but it's just how it went. So, yeah, I, I think we get caught up a lot in in when someone has an injured year and and, and that's it—they're labelled injury yeah. prone. I mean, I put it to you this: you don't want to start him because of his, he could be injury prone. Who are you going to start? Trelaw, Dunkley? Sure. Um, you know, even you know, even if you play, oh, Cornelio. Yeah. He's had a rough couple of years injury-wise. Um, so there's not really many forwards of that top echelon, even yeah, at, at sure. Wingard, if you want to have a go at him, he's had yeah. trouble. So
0: no. I,
1: think, <laughs> I think all those forwards um, in that top area, they all come with the injury risk.
0: They all come with risk. And I think at the end of the day, um, if everyone's one moment away from an injury in a footy game, um, so I look at Duncan and go, He's the safest hundred guy across the formats in the forward line. Now, I don't think there are others with better ceiling, consistency and frequency than him. Um, you could build a case that who we talked about the other day um, through the forward lines, we've done a number of them, could all be higher than him. We, You could. But I just go, historically, who's got the least role concerns? Duncan historically who's got the years of multiple hundred plus Duncan who's got an injury history that might turn you away from him yeah he does but right now he's healthy we're going to choose to believe that unless that changes we pick him because that's the only reason if you if you think you could get him later at a cheaper price you probably could but you might have yeah. also missed six eight ten weeks of him burning you and taking this, this the care. game away from
1: you but, you know, he's already the got the discount is, is, is part of the conversation of, of um, cons but he's already got that discount built in because of the, the injury affected scores um, and, and I'll, I'll just say one last thing that you really yeah. need to be said it, it, he's available in the forward line I mean yeah, we
0: exactly. could have had
1: this entire conversation if he was a mid only and now it's but he's in the forward yep. line so uh, the yeah, risk is even lower I think lower. that tells you
0: yeah, yeah I, I agree for me it's just it's an easy pick. If someone wants to go against him, fine. But I just think you're being too cute. He's the gift we've been given. Most coaches will have him. Um, and at the end of the day, it's not a unique move to go against him that I'd feel comfortable with. You need a crazy amount of luck for it to work. And I I, I feel zero confidence in that so for me unless something changes through the preseason that he comes down with an injury of some form if health continues on as his preseason has to the this point I'm starting Mitch Duncan in every single format I just am I'm locking him away he's the potential 110 mid that we keep hyping up that might come into the forward lines that we've already got so Duncan is a lock for me across the format so the,
1: the question now is MJ do you use your first pick in a draft on him
0: I would not be using my first overall pick with him in a draft um, Mm -hmm. but he is in the conversation to be one of the first forwards off the draft board on draft day Um, I I think there's probably a combination of three forwards and depending on who the coaches are we'll look at difference uh, difference one and and that's probably Duncan, Dunkley, Taranto feel like the combination of forwards that'll be the first that go first Um, what people Mm -hmm. like it will be different. And all of those guys um, will probably be mid to late first round into the early to mid part of the second round, somewhere in there with the ultimate variance on how many coaches play in the league, what your on field roster is. If you're a really heavy mid, like seven mids. Okay. um, he, He might slide to the mid to late second round. If you're only playing three or four mids, but, on the midfield, but still playing three or four mids through the forwards, okay, well, the the dropping off of what our top-end forwards are is going to be faster than the top-end mids. So those are always the factors of what positions on field and how many of each and how many coaches. But for me, mid to late first through to a early to mid second. Um, so if it's a 10-team league um, and you're playing snake draft, anywhere from pick five, to 15 is where he probably goes. Um, some leagues, maybe a bit later, um, depending on the format, super coach, he might slide it. At the latest I could see him going super coach is late second, but um, that's at latest. I think he's just, he's a gift in, in that format too. And again, you're worried mm-hmm. about the injury history. You protect the pick with the next pick. You draft an extra forward, heavy, knowing that that might come. That's all you need to do to, to do that. Hey, Ox, mate, as always, I appreciate your work on the 50 most relevant. My
1: pleasure. No worries.
0: If you want to go and read the article on Mitch Duncan, it is online for you now at coachespanel.tv. As is, I think it's like 45 other players we've done articles on right now. There's other stuff that's there to help you with your drafting, some other strategy, some team reveals, and a bunch more stuff. It's there for you at coachespanel.tv. If you've loved the preseason that we've been able to do with you thus far, there's a couple of ways you can support the coaches panel. You can keep telling mates about the podcast and the articles The podcast, you can follow and subscribe, leave a a nice five-star rating and review. It helps others find us in their sort of podcast stores. And then the other is become a Patreon member, a financial supporter. For as little as a couple of bucks a month, there's some exclusive content, hidden stuff that you won't get access to, like some sneaky groups, cash prizes, access to the panel members, and a ton of other stuff. All the links for that are at coachespanel.tv. Well, tomorrow we hit my five most relevant players. And this guy could be the number one player in the game. And he's already got a history of big runs of footy where he was the number one player in the game. But people still have some question marks about it. And are they founded or not? I think he's probably the best in his line. But what line is it? What I have already told you through these podcasts is I'm told you I'm done with defenders. So it's down to three. Who do I have at number five? Who fits that criteria? You should be able to pick these final five players. Or have I got one more surprise up my sleeve?